you might say, well, I came to hear about China, Russia, and the worldwide communist revolution. Yes, you did. And that's what we're going to look at. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, please. And with the Lord's help, we will be going further uh, into this, not only this chapter, but we will also be looking at other portions of Scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment and shall feel no evil thing, and the wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment, because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? Keep your Bible open there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the host you've brought us this evening to, again to hear your word. And Lord, we thank you for each and every home represented and every heart and every head here to, to feel with and to think. And we pray that you'd open every mind and every heart to thy word and teach us all to, to know what's going on in our world at this time, but to see the blessing that's in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, this evening that your Spirit would move and touch hearts and lives. And Lord, maybe one or some have come in here not knowing your Son as their own Lord and personal Savior. We pray this night be over, Lord, that you would draw them by thy Spirit to Christ. And may they behold the Lamb of God that bears away the sin of the world. Lord, may they be ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, this evening, we just thank and praise you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. And even as it's already been prayed in our meeting, when the world is in turmoil, we know there's peace within for those who are close to Christ and know him. For we know that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So, Father, to that end, we pray, Lord, you would bless your people, those who are watching live, those who will watch later. And Lord, we just ask you to give them their portion, those who are at home and can't be with us tonight, or wherever they may be, some away on a break, Lord, would you refresh them. To glorify your Son, we ask it. And speak to our hearts, we pray, and anoint this man of clay lips. And Father, even though the wind still blows this tent today and makes a noise, may your voice be heard over every noise in this house and every man's voice to the glory of thy Son. For Jesus' name's sake, I ask it. Amen. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8 and verse 4, there is a declaration and then there is a question. The declaration is this. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And the question is this. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? We see in our day, this very moment that we are in this evening, how the nations are in turmoil, especially at this time with the Russian invasion of Ukraine and NATO and all the surrounding area. We can see the problems and we can see the troubles and we can actually palpably feel the very fear on some people's minds and in their hearts. And even in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, where the word of a king is, there is power. 
And where the word of any king or ruler, emperor or governor is, there is power. And we see here that even today, we are hearing of things that are happening in Russia and in Ukraine. And right at this moment, I'm told just this very day uh, that Vladimir Putin has ordered uh, that they be ready, at the ready. He has stood his men to be at the ready for nuclear war. They're ready for the order to push the nuclear button as we speak. That's been the latest reports from Russia concerning what is happening in Ukraine. So where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? Even when the world seems to be against him, he never listens and doesn't want to know any different. And here we find King Solomon is king in Israel. And his inspired words are written down that the spirit of prophecy may carry the words through to show the heart of a man and the heart of woman in the day and hour in which we live and from the fall of Adam. Since this is true then, since this is true then, how much more can we see in the history of the world of the despots and the dictators over peoples and nations, their wickedness, their evil, their subtlety, how it abounds across the world and how it has throughout the centuries and the years. It is the depraved hearts of men and the depraved hearts of women, greedy for gain and power hungry. And they are megalomaniacs obsessed with building their own empires and their own kingdoms. Now, just in case I shock you tonight, Everyone looks at Vladimir Putin as the bad apple in the barrel. And everyone is pointing the finger as if he's the only bad one among them. Well, I can tell you tonight he is not. In fact, what has happened is there has been a Russian bear which has been poked and prodded for years by NATO and by the UN and by the European Union. Notice as well in Genesis 11 and in verse 1, we read of Nimrod building his tower and gathering his kingdom together. He's building his new world order, his one world government, and his one system of religious practice and worship. In Genesis 11 and verse 1, it says, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And then in verse 4, for time's sakes, it says, And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name. Take note of that. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Genesis 11 and verse 8 tells us that the Lord came down and scattered Nimrod's kingdom and all the peoples upon the face of the earth. The new world order of Nimrod, the one world government and the one world banking system in his day was scattered and it was ruined and the one world religious system with it. And hence we read that the Lord came, a prototype of what the elitists in our world are trying to do 
at this very moment in time. Notice I says underline, let us make us a name. Let us make us a name. See for the word name there. It's the word shame. And it is so closely aligned to the name Shem, as in Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So the word Shem means glory, fame, reputation. Glory, fame, and reputation. When we see the men of the world today, like Nimrod, building their empires and taking over all of these nations and kingdoms, we see they do it for their own glory, for their own name, and for their own fame. And their pride is at stake if they were to retreat coming this far. How would Vladimir Putin get out of it if he was losing the war? How would the United States of America, the United Kingdom, and how would NATO get out of it if they were losing the war? They would lose face and hence they would drive their soldiers to almost extinction and bring the whole world into nuclear Armageddon. Hence tonight, I believe Vladimir Putin has realized he's bitten off at this point more than he can chew. And what has happened? He stood his men beside the button, as it were, ready to arm themselves with nuclear weapons. Notice this, brothers and sisters, name, shame. Noah's son, Shem, is where we get Shemitic from, the Shemites from. That is the line of Noah's family, the Israelite peoples and covenant nations unto God. And notice this, the name Shem, fame, glory, and reputation. We find that God's fame, God's glory, and God's reputation was to come through the son of Noah, called Shem. Hence we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel, and following after that, you and I. God's fame in Christ, God's glory in Christ, and God's reputation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hence we see the fame of God is in the people of God, and the fame of God will be known in the earth when they start turning on the people of God. Take note here, brothers and sisters, while men may say, and some may think, it is unquestionable to ask, what doest thou to people like Vladimir Putin or Joe Biden or whoever else? Let us remember this evening, no matter what is said, that God is sovereign, that God is still on his throne, and God is still ruling all the universe. He's not taken by surprise tonight. It didn't come up on God and shock him that these things were happening. For God has told us each and everything in his own inspired and divine word. Men might build their cities and their towers and their empires, but it is God who worketh out all things after the counsel of his own will. Now listen, and don't get me wrong, the sovereignty of God does not negate our human responsibility. The carnal, depraved heart of man will always decline into evil as we see in humanity this very evening. So don't get me wrong, God will be justified in the end of days 
when he pours out his wrath and God will be justified against the Christ rejecter who has refused the blood of the lamb. God will be justified for tonight. You've heard his word and you may reject him and go to hell. God will be justified in how he deals with the nations because man in his depraved heart will always spiral downwards and will always end up more evil than he set out to be. Notice Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 5. Whoso keepeth the commandments shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Notice here the word discerneth is the word yada. The Hebrew word yada, and it means this. They will be an observer of time. The time they're in, on the judgment, they will judge righteously and rightly if they have the Spirit of God of what is happening in our world tonight. It means to have knowledge. They will know because they've read the Scriptures and they will recognize what is going on in the world in their time. It makes me realize of what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 16 and in verse 3. He says to the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, he says, Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, Christ said that. He said they were hypocrites because they could tell what it's going to be like the next morning, what the weather would be like, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. He says you cannot observe them nor acknowledge them nor do you recognize the day and the hour in which you are living in. The times we and, we, you and I are in are the times of God's judgment of the nations. It's coming upon us. It's coming every day to be closer. But I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters. All of this is happening tonight, but Christ is coming. The king will soon split the skies and he will set up his new world order, his government, and all of these elitists and wicked men and women and the Christ rejectors, they will be found judged. They will find where in the balances and found wanting. And they will be cast into the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20. Can I ask you tonight, are you saved? Are you ready? Are you born again? Are you Christ? Have you been to Calvary? Have you been under the fountain of blood? Are you his should Christ call you or come this evening? Hence we find what is happening in the world. Stay with me, please. Listen to what Proverbs 29 and verse 2 says. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Isn't that true? All we need to do is to look at our nations these last two years and the unrighteousness of the governments, and the laws that they have been passing, and that which they have been putting upon people. All we need to do is to look at our own stormont here, our own local government, and all we can see are men and women who have committed all sorts of atrocities, ruling over the people and telling them how they should live. And the people are mourning over it. Look at United Kingdom. Look at Westminster. Look at Boris Johnson. Look at the Conservative Party. Look at all of the political parties are labor. Look at what they're getting up to and what they're doing. And I ask you tonight, friend, 
does it not show you that the wickedness of man is prevailing in our nation? Look at what's happening all across the world. And look where we've been the last two years. Can I ask you a question? Now, don't get me wrong when I say this. I support Ukraine here. Don't get me wrong. In fact, we're trying to get a man out of Ukraine this week to give us a report for needs that they need out there that we can get to them. So don't get me wrong. I support them wholeheartedly in this. I ask you a question. For you who were tuned into the last two years, why is it now many are saying they're watching the mainstream media and using to believe everything they say, but yet so many weeks ago they're saying they believe nothing they said? Ask yourself these questions. Vladimir Putin is a warmonger. Don't you get me wrong. Vladimir Putin was looking for an excuse and the bear needed parted and the bear needed poked. I'm going to show you a scripture where the Lord says, I will put hooks into thy jaws and draw thee. And this is the leader of the nations tonight. He poked a bear in his own environment, brothers and sisters. If you poke a bear, he will turn and he will attack you and he will be ferocious in nature against you. Hence is the Russian bear tonight. Calm, but cautious, we must go. It must be said that the United States, the United Kingdom, and NATO, and the European Union were all poking and prodding the bear. You may say, how were they? Here's why they were doing it. NATO, the United States, pushing it with the United Kingdom. NATO were coming to some of the surrounding countries of Russia, like Ukraine. For example, for years, they have been putting military weapons the whole way around the border of Poland next to Russia. NATO have brought in, if you look on the map, NATO have brought in uh, countries like of Estonia, and then below that, Latvia, and below that, we have Lithuania. All, that, all of now joined, all of now joined NATO, and they're all on the border of Russia. And hence, Russia is saying, enough. We don't want them here. Now it's different if it was Romania because there is Ukraine as a buffer between them and Russia. And hence we see when they're moving into Ukraine. Why does Russia want the Ukraine so badly? Why does NATO want them so badly? For military exercise and for defense, for war. And the European Union want them because of what the Ukraine has. I'll read it out to you in a few moments. They want it for what the Ukraine has. And hence, the poor people in the middle of all of this are the Ukrainians. They're getting it from both sides. They don't deserve this. They should have a free, sovereign country to rule themselves in freedom and in liberty without the interference of Russia or of NATO. Notice, President, the present predicament is a minefield. Listen, there's so many thoughts and claims and theological arguments and all sorts that are going on about what is happening today. So I might have some people disagree with me, and that's fine. You can do that. And I might have some people be angry at me, and that's all right. You can be that. But brothers and sisters, I've lived in this scripture for years. I've preached this in depth for a long time. People have called me a madman. Uh, I was told that if Russia ever entered Syria, uh, the pigs would fly. They're in Syria. 
I preached in 2011. What's that? 11 years ago. They're in Syria. They have a naval base in the Mediterranean Sea, a large naval base in Syria. And at the time when I preached this, oh, you're talking nonsense. Russia is not in this scripture and Russia will never come down. I'm telling you the scripture has said it and it's happening. And brothers and sisters, we need to be aware to the times in which you and I are living in. The church needs to be awake, not woke. It needs to be awake. Take note of this. It is believed the Ukraine has been the laundromat for some of the high-ranking world politicians, especially from the United States, and of the global elitists and the rich of the world. What do you mean the laundromat? Money laundering. And if this comes out, elitists will be shown up. How to get rid of it? Start the war. Start a war. How do you get out of your debt? Start the war. Notice here, brothers and sisters, Vladimir Putin has allegedly thrown the Rothschild bankers out of Russia. So I'm told and I've read. And so the bear was being poked and prodded and now it is awake and ferocious. The Ukraine is seen by the Russian government. Listen to this. As part of old Mother Russia, even old brother, Mother Russia. You may say, how do you work that out? Well, here's what happened. The area of Ukraine was known from the 800s to around 1240-something, 46 around there, A.D., was known as Kievian Rus. Note that word, Kievian Rus. Note the Rus. We have Belarus is almost completely 100% Russian. I said years ago, watch Belarus, they will join in. Years ago, and now it's happening. Belarus, Ukraine used to be Kievian Rus. In fact, uh, it was actually Vikings who settled it. The Vikings came from Finland down, and they were in Ukraine, a lot of the Ukrainians, are Slavic, but they are Vikings too. And so it was known as Kievian Rus. And the first Viking king there was called uh, King Oleg the Prophet. King Oleg the Prophet. Now take note, we have Kievian Rus, we have Belarus, and we have Russia. Notice the common denominator, Rus, R-U-S, some say it can be spelt R-O-S-H-H, Rosh. So take a note of that, if you will. Notice here, if Russia takes another evil thought and enters Belarus, it can then go straight toward the other NATO nations north of Belarus. Belarus and Russia together in this fight will go northward towards, of course, it's Lithuania, and then it's Latvia, then it's Estonia, then it's across the water into Finland. And take note, because that comes in to prophecy as well. You might not think it does, but it does. Take note on this. 
Notice here, the confederate nations of Russia and their hordes will at some point come south. They took the, the Crimea some years ago in the south of Ukraine in the Black Sea. Listen, and the nations done nothing about it. That's why they thought they'd get away with this. They've done nothing about it. They have taken the borderlands of Moldova, which is added on to uh, Romania, and it is a little part of Romania that, which was mostly Russian, right on to the Ukrainian border. Now take notice of, notice of this. They can, as I said, take Latvia and Lithuania, and then they can move over and into Poland. Ukraine has been wooed by military alliance by NATO. And Ukraine has been enticed by the United uh, European Union, pardon me, for economical gain. And here's why. Here's why. And let me get a drink and I'll read this out to you. Why Russia? Why want Ukraine so badly? Why NATO and the European Union? Listen to this. Another reason to wonder why Russia has invaded and others want Ukraine may land the fact of its economical importance and its production of goods. Take note. Although the Ukrainians are very proud people, they are very poor people. And even though they've got wealth in their country, they don't have a lot themselves. Notice this. The Ukraine is the second largest country in Europe by population being 40 millions. The Ukraine ranks, <clears throat> notice, first in recoverable reserves of uranium ores. It ranks second place in Europe for titan titanium, 10th in the world for titanium, second in the world <clears throat> for iron ore, second in the world for magnesium ore, second in Europe for mercury ore, third in Europe for shale gas reserves, fourth in the world for total natural resources, seventh in the world for coal reserves, first in the Europe for arable land, third in the world for black soil and fertilizer, second in the world for barley production, fourth in the world for barley exports, First in the world for sunflower and oil productions. Third in the world for corn production. Fourth in the world for corn exports. Fourth in the world for potato production. Fifth in the world for rye production. Fifth in the world for bee production. Eighth in the world for wheat exports. Ninth in the world for egg and chicken. And sixteenth in the world for cheese. Listen, Russia can meet the food needs, you ready, of 600 million people. Now let me bring you back to when they had a big meeting in Scotland over the Green Agenda. And they're saying there's not enough food in the world. Do you remember that? And hence, the population is too high. Six hundred million Ukraine. 600 million people the Ukraine can feed and keep them up. It's first in the world, or pardon me, first in Europe for ammonia production, 
It's Europe's second and the world's fourth largest natural gas pipeline. Hello? It's the third largest in Europe and the eighth largest in the world in terms of installed capacity of nuclear power plants. The third place in Europe and 11th place in the world in terms of real network. In fact, there's about 27,700 or 21,700 kilometers of real network across Ukraine. You wonder why they want to travel straight instead of around? Go straight across? Pressing forth their empires? It's the 10th, 10th largest in the world for steel production and it's the 9th largest in the world for defense exports. Now, that's just some of it. Now you understand why they all want a piece of Ukraine. And who's in the middle of this? The poor Ukrainian people are suffering at the hands of greedy elitists and bankers. It's the Ukrainian people who are suffering. By the way, there are many, many Russians who don't want this either. Many of them, they don't want this. But unfortunately, these things are happening also. And I'm saying this with a question mark, so forgive me, but I'll put it out there. When the Wuhan lab had the accident of release, hello, when that germ warfare was released on the world, it was American dollars that were financing it. And it is now said there are another three of these labs, biochemical in the Ukraine. Another three of them, financed by the United States of America, by Joe Biden. Brothers and sisters, we have call this, friends, we have called this tonight Russia, China, and the worldwide communist revolution. I'm going to go into the revolution in a minute. But can I ask you a question and be honest with ourselves? How many times have I and some others have been preaching that what has been going on, the draconian measures that's been happening around the world, especially in places like Australia and Canada? How many times even in our own land have I said, This is nothing short of communism. Does it take tanks? Red flags? Does it take soldiers with boots on the ground? Does it take them to be marching in step with all sorts of armory for people to realize we're living in the days of a worldwide communist revolution? We need to waken up. And what's the church doing? The church is closing their doors and turning away people and masking them up where they can't even get to worship the Lord with an open face. What is wrong with our nation? What is wrong with the people of God? And now they can find how easy it is, how easy it is for people to follow the narrative. Watch this space. If a nuclear button isn't pushed, 
Watch this space. Now, people have said that I'm mad. A whole lot of people have said that I'm mad. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't offend me. I know what I'm mad about. I'm mad about the Word of God. I'm mad about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm mad about the blood of the Lamb. I'm mad about seeing people born of the Spirit and washed in the blood and ready for heaven and home. Seeing the second coming of Christ. But are you saved tonight? Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Ezekiel? Ezekiel chapter 38. This is a very much debated passage, but I have preached this for years, and it seemed like maybe I was going wrong, but all of a sudden it keeps coming back again, and it keeps coming back again. Ezekiel 38, verse 1, please. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now, places like Russia and Ukraine weren't there in Ezekiel's day. But the landmass and the peoples who would be are here today. And hence we can identify them through Scripture. Notice here, he says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Notice, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Remember I talked about Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth? Shem, the fame, the reputation, glory. I'm saying it to lay down foundation for you. One of the other sons was Japheth. And Japheth are known as the Japhetic people. And uh, the Reverend Basin in the 1800s, into the 1900s, he went to the, the Pamir tablelands there at the far side, as it were, closer to the the eastern side of Russia, and there they all call themselves the Japhetic. And some of them, I'm told, that they call themselves Meshach. It is said and it is reported to be that Meshach and Tubal are the foundational names of even Moscow and Tobolsk. Gog and Magog. Gog is big, colossal, and gigantic. It means he's the head the land toward the north of the land of Israel. And notice here when it says, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog. Now when you're saying the land of Magog, you're looking at the great Colossus, the chief prince of Meshach. See the words chief prince? Do you know what it is in the original Hebrew text? Rosh or Rus. Remember Belarus? Kievian Rus? Russia? Set thy face against the prince or the chief prince of Rus. They are all foundational names of the area of Russia tonight. 
Notice Ezekiel 38 and 4. Notice what he says. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. Notice the Lord says, I'm going to put a hook in your jaw, Gog, Magog, your chief prince, and I'll pull you back down. I'll pull you toward this direction, toward the mountains of Israel, it says. My brothers and sisters, I don't really think at this point in time this passage is directly speaking of Ukraine. But who knows what might happen after this? The players, as it were, the the nations and the people are here and they're under different names. God has said, I'll put hooks in your jaws. What would be the hook in the jaw? Well, it's simple. When they were ready to invade the Ukraine just on Wednesday and into Thursday, the Israelis, they voiced their opinion that they supported the Ukraine. So Vladimir Putin came out against the Israelis and said he did not recognize their sovereignty over the Golan Heights. There, where Syria is, they've already got their naval base, they've already got army camps there. Hooks in the jaws to pull them down. Notice in verse 5, I have to skip this for time. Here are some who will come with this horde from the north. Persia, that is Iran. Iran. Ethiopia, that can be from Arab, North Africa, taking up some of Black Africa, Africa as it's called, going further south. And then there's Libya. We know of Libya. That's the Arab nation. And there are many other Arab nations that would come. We haven't time to look at that either. And then there is Gomer in verse 6. Some say it's Germany. But listen, Germany with the European Union may well come. But many people think it talks about those at the steps of Russia even those reaching from the Ukraine. Men years ago, far more intelligent than me, from the Ukraine may come along and then drop down. Why do you think Vladimir Putin has been fighting further east in Chechnya? Chechnya sand and their troops to aid Russia. Why do you think against South Ossetia and Georgia? They overtake that area. They overtake those lands. It's a direct route down. Why do you think he would come along and come right under the very belly of the Ukraine and the Black Sea? Notice here, he is gathering what his words, he wants the old USSR back again. Gomer may be Germany, but Tagarma is Turkey. And all his bands are known as the Stan countries, if you want to make it easier. The Stan countries are countries like Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and so on. Turkmenistan, and we could go on. My brothers and sisters, I want you to draw close, because we're, we're going to look somewhere else here, and I want to show you, before it gets too late, I want to bring you to the Russian Revolution 100 years ago and show you the importance, because this brings in China. It brings China into the, the fight here. 
and Taiwan. And you'll notice how the Lord being sovereign is moving all these into place. In 2001, there was announced from Russia and China uh, what was known as the Shanghai Cooperation Project or Program. And hence they started up between them war games. Hence they started up between them battlegrounds out the Far East. And what they did was they came into an alliance one with the other. And there they joined together in a bond of a contract of unity. Russia and China. But now listen, remember Ezekiel 38, the house of Tagarma, Turkey, and all his bands with him. Take note of this. Along the years, I think it's up to maybe, I'm doing it from memory, I think it's about 10, 12 years ago, they then brought in, along with them, who? They brought on these nations, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and also waning in the wings as observers at this very moment looking for full membership are Afghanistan and Iran. And where else? Belarus. Rus. Belarus. See how this is all forming together? It's all coming together. My brothers and sisters, in Ezekiel 38 and 13, there's another confederacy comes against them, and it says, they mentions those who are in 38 and 13 of Sheba, and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish with all their young lions thereof. The Sheba and Dedan are sons of Cush. You read that, pardon me, grandsons of Cush. But they are the sons of Jokshan in the word of God. And they are Arabic people. Look, people say, how could all the Arabs, you know, surely they'll all be against the Israelis or they'll be against the United States and Britain. No, not all of them. I'll tell you why. In the first, and then into the second world war. In the first world war, the Arabs actually helped the British expeditionary forces in Palestine. There was bloodshed all over and they were actually working alongside of the British expeditionary forces against Turkey, the Ottoman Empire. And hence they have drawn a relationship up as wicked as Saudi Arabia is. They have drawn a relationship up, but they say that some of Sheba and Dedan are some of those nations, and we're not sure exactly which ones. The merchants of Tarshish. There's a Tartessus just outside the Mediterranean on the coast of Spain, on the south coast. But listen, Tarshish, the ship sailed to the south of England to the tin mines of Cornwall and the copper mines. You know why? In the Mendip Hills, they take the tin, they take the copper, they bring it together, and they have bronze or brass. It strengthens them. And the Bronze Age weapons were made from that. And Solomon's ships sailed for three years. Wherever they went, they brought back peacocks and apes. They're all over the world. They weren't just some little huckster in the middle of the Middle East. And I want you to note here, the merchants of Tarsus, Tarsus can mean the smelting. 
and they have young lions, the British lion and her young whelps who fought alongside of her in the world wars. I believe that this is the merchants of Tarsus, Great Britain, along with the United States and those of the Commonwealth nations. Notice it says then, notice that people don't seem to, I've never heard, well, I've heard one man preaching this before and I've read one book on this before and I believe it to be true. In verse 11 of Ezekiel 38, and I shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. So if you go to Russia and you come down towards the Israelite state, the land of Israel, and you're in battle there and you say, well, I'll go up. Where do you go up to? Russia, the North Pole, to the Arctic Circle. Take note of this. A U.S. geographical survey estimated that 13% of the world's undiscovered oil and 3% of its untapped gas is in the Arctic Circle. One third of Russia lies within the Arctic Circle. And so Russia has become the most aggressive in establishing itself in the re- as the region's superpower. And at the minute, which you never hear about, Norway, Denmark, Russia, Canada, Iceland, and the United States of America have all their armies surrounding the whole of the Arctic Circle ready for war. It's been like that, touch and go for years. Russia has actually sent a submersible uh, vehicle and planted a flag under the ice caps because that's where they say they own. So, brothers and sisters, Russia invaded a sovereign nation of Ukraine on Wednesday the 23rd, coming in to Thursday the 24th of February 2022. The Israelis voiced their support, as I said, and they looked toward them and says, then we do not recognize the Golan Heights. I wonder, is that a hook? Is that a hook in the jaw of the Russian bear? Stay with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. It gets a little bit tricky here. Stay with me. In 2008, as I said, Georgia was attacked by Russia, and Russia took South Ossetia. In 2014, Russia invaded Ukrainian Crimea through Sevastopol. And then the reddening of the map continues. Now, turn with me to Revelation 16, please, and verse 12. Revelation 16. And verse 12, please. Now take note of this. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up. Notice this, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. 
Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now the sixth angel pours out his vial. And brothers and sisters, upon the great river Euphrates, can you ever ask yourself, why would a river actually need to dry up as a mark, as a sign? Why would a big river need to dry up? You know the river Euphrates dried up in Daniel's day? It's dried up nearly once or twice through uh, lack of rain. I don't believe that's what it means at all. The Turkish Ottoman Empire, Islamic Empire, went right from Turkey, right over the Fertile Crescent, where Abraham came from, and what flowed right down through the river is, and it spread out where it irrigated the land, and the people populated right over into where Iran or Persia would be, and right across that direction as far as India. And in the 1800s, it started to lose its power and the people started to dry up, as it were. The river started to dry up. Their population started to dry up. Their power control and their grip started to dry up until it came to a real flowing out finish. And it really started in 1917, the last dregs around 1925 into 26, when the sultan gave up his power. I take note of this. I don't, want to, I don't want to make this too complicated. In 1917, some things happened that were, if you want, unexplainable. I take note, in the same year, 1917, in 1917, General Allenby, the British general, he took what is known as the Balfour Declaration for a Jewish homeland. And there he went to free and liberate Palestine and Jerusalem from the Turkish Ottoman Empire. Afraid that everyone who tried to do it before came back with egg on their face, as it were, and in disgrace. He didn't want to do it. And there was a man called Lord General Balfour and uh, Belvoir, pardon me, General Belvoir, and he came a Christian general and he read a book by a man called Grattan Guinness. Grattan Guinness is related to the Guinness family in Dublin. Half of the family went into the brewery business and half of the family were evangelical Christians. And Grattan Guinness wrote a book, Light for the Last Days, and the approaching end of the age as well. And in that he set out a pattern of the, of the seven times punishment of Israel and the seven times punishment of Judah. And in the seven times punishment of Judah, he worked it out something like this. The house of Judah were carried away. Captive Jerusalem was taken in 604 BC. And the seven times punishment of God from Leviticus chapter 26. God says, if you walk contrary to me, I will walk contrary unto you. Notice, if you walk contrary unto me, I'll walk contrary unto you. And Judah went like their brethren in the north who were carried away 120 years previously. And Judah went the same way. And they were carried into Babylon. And we read Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Ezekiel is in there. And Jeremiah warned them about this and other prophets. 
And from 604 BC, one add one for the carrying over, the seven times punishment came. Seven times punishment is 2,520 years. I'll explain it as simply as I can. 360, one time. 360, two times. 360, and so on for seven times. 2,520 years elapsed. And the end of the Judah, the Judah punishment arrives at the year 1917. This man, Grattan Guinness, came, famous preacher, and he showed it uh, to, uh, pardon me, he wrote it, and Lord Belvoir, General Belvoir, brought it to uh, the generals of the British army, and they says, I know, we'll send in Allenby. And Allenby went, there was bloodshed all over the Holy Land. Everywhere, read Mary Hughes's book, The Land is Mine, God says. Read the book and you see the bloodshed all over the place. But when they got to Jerusalem, he sent over the little by-wing planes and they dropped leaflets telling them to, the Turks telling them to surrender. And when they dropped the leaflets, they seen them, large birds flying, and they dropped their weapons They couldn't move them for years. No general was able, and they were able to move them. They dropped their weapons. They surrendered to two little private soldiers who were just up the road outside the gates of Jerusalem. And there, Jerusalem was liberated without a bomb being dropped and without a shot being fired. And God had fulfilled his word. Listen to what he says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 30, 1 and verse 5, please. If I can remember, yes, there it is, 31 and verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. That's what the Lord said, and that's what he did when General Almby walked in the Jaffa Gate on the 9th of December, 1917. Now, take note, in 1917, while that was happening, the Trotskyite, uh, the Russian communist revolution started. Now listen, brothers and sisters, this might be hard for some people to understand. But the Israeli land, or the land of Israel, I should say, the Holy Land, many of the Russian Jews, known as Ashkenazi Jews, came south and populated into the Holy Lands, come from the Ukraine over, in fact, there were some arrived just this week as well. They populated down around that area. The Sephardic Jews were there, and many of them have migrated. Now, take note. In 1917, while this was happening, the Bolshevik Revolution by Trotsky. Trotsky's parents, by the way, were actually Jewish. But take note of this. We have Marxists, then Lenin, and Trotsky. And they all started in different parts and different portions. I'm trying to squeeze this in. What's known as the Bolshevik Revolution. The Bolshevik Revolution was a communist revolution. Tsar Nicholas II of the Romanov dynasty in Russia, who was the king there, the Tsar, and his wife Alexandra, and his five children were taken and brutally murdered shot and thrown down a well to rot like dogs. And hence, 
the communist ideology took hold of, the, of Russia, the Kievan Rus it used to be. A young man who was a Chinese student called Mao Zedong, he takes the, the Marxist-Leninist ideology and he starts to uh, bring it into China. The nationalists of China fought against the communist ideology in China. Now take note of this. Notice how this is happening right to our day. God's word is true. Preparing the way for the kings of the east. The Ottoman Empire dries up. The Ottoman Empire becomes the Turkish nation. When it dries up, the communist revolution comes. Communist revolution goes to China. In China, there's a war, a civil war in China. And of course, the Chinese nationalists who fought against the communism, where did they end up hiding and running to? Taiwan. Taiwan. And hence the United States of America, Australia in that area, are all sitting, supporting Taiwan. And just yesterday they were flying, China was flying their jets over Taiwan airspace. You might think this is all so foreign to you. It's all far away. Revelation 16 and 12 says that the, the river Euphrates will be dried up to make or prepare the way for the kings of the east. And now the Chinese revolution has come. The Russian revolution has come. And they have infiltrated our governments till every one of us are falling for it, walking with it. And every man and woman in our nation, they all just went along as if we were blind. Communism is in Stormont. Communism is in Westminster. Communism is in the Dial in Dublin. Communism is in Washington. Communism is in the White House with Joe Biden. It's under the name of democracy. It's a communist, a worldwide communist revolution. Brothers and sisters, do you know the Rothschilds funded the Rothschilds funded the Lord Balfour Declaration? Did you know that? Did you know that the Russian Revolution in 1917? Do you know the Russian Revolution that it was funded as well? And was funded by Jewish bankers in New York City. Did you know that? Revelation 2 and 9 and Revelation 3 and 9 warn us. There are those who say they are Jews and are not, but they are the synagogue of Satan. Here could be another hook in the jaw. This is my thinking. You can throw it out. Since all they came down, either because they're looking, that is Russia are looking, to take up the Ukraine, to take up the Crimea, South Ossetia, moving into Belarus, and then from Belarus to take up the surrounding nations around it. Could it be, brothers and sisters, that they will look and say, well, they are the Ashkenazi, and they are part of our land. We will move southward, and we will take them. And that will be Armageddon. And that will be Armageddon. I have to finish with this. 
In fact, their guy was a communist leader of Deng Xiaoping's translator and is now a spokesman for the Chinese government and he warned Western powers to stay out of China's quest to annex Taiwan. President Xi Jinping has repeatedly said he plans to take over Taiwan by 2027 as part of the rejuvenation of China. See, communist revolution. Russia, communist revolution. And where we are, if we do not take our stand. Listen, remember I said last week, where do you see what comes out? I didn't know all this was going to come out this week. Listen to Victor Gale. Listen to what he says. If Australia goes to fight together with U.S. soldiers in China's drive for reunification between China's mainland and China's Taiwan, then you're talking of the worst thing you could dream of. What would soon escalate out of control? Pardon me, that would soon escalate out of control. And that will be, his words, Armageddon. Armageddon and Armageddon. That's his words. Armageddon, Armageddon, and Armageddon. Brothers and sisters, the Lord said, I'm against thee, Gog. You know what that means? Since God before us. What is it? Come on, shut out. Since God before us. You just can do better than I'm louder than you. I know I want to make like, but I'm louder than you. Since God before us. Who then can be against us? Will you turn with me for our final scripture? Revelation 19, please. Verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth, <clears throat> treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of, Almighty, wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen, don't you be afraid if you're saved. See, if you're not afraid, well, then I would be worried. See, if you're backslidden and you're not going on with God, you get yourself right. Make sure you're under the blood. Make sure you're going on with God. Make sure you're saved and serving for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. If you don't know Christ as your own Lord and personal Savior, tonight's the night to make your calling and your election sure. Listen, see if Christ comes and you're saying, oh, but I'm saved and I was there for a wee while or, or I made a profession or I walked up an aisle or I done this. Listen, poppycock, are you serving him? Do you know him? Are you saved? Are you blood washed? And are you born again? Have you been to the cross? Brothers and sisters, the king is coming. The Lord Jesus Christ will roll back the skies like a scroll. 
And it doesn't matter whether it's Putin or NATO or the European Union or whoever or whatever it is. Jesus is coming and he's going to set up his kingdom and his kingdom has no end. And we who are saved will rule with him and we will reign with him for all of eternity. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? Born of the Spirit and washed in the blood. Are you saved tonight? The blood washed tonight. Christ is coming. Christ is coming. That old hymn, once heaven seemed a far off place till Jesus showed his smiling face. Now it's begun within my soul to last while endless ages roll. Oh, hallelujah, yes, tis him, tis him to know my sins forgiven. On land or sea, what matters where, where Jesus is, Tis heaven there, oh hallelujah, yes, tis heaven, tis heaven to know my sins forgiven, on land or sea, what matters where. Where Jesus is, tis... Come on, sing it one more time. Oh, hallelujah, yes, tis him. Tis him to know my sins forgiven. On land or sea, what matters where, where Jesus is, tis heaven. I want to just say, I'm finished, but I just want to say, 1917, Jerusalem, Allenby, all what we talked about, Bolshevik revolution then spreading to China, the drying up of the river Euphrates, the Turkish Ottoman Empire, the Islamic Empire, for the making of way, preparing the way for the kings of the east. Here's something else that happened. In Portugal, there were three little shepherd children and there was a lying spirit came and showed them visions of Mary. And listen to what she said, allegedly. Consecrate Russia to my sacred heart. And it started war in Russia. All in the same year. You're telling me God's word isn't true? As he said, all in the same. Here's something else that happened. Finland used to be owned by, well, it was part of Sweden and it became part of, the, of Russia. And in 1917, there was a, a war happened in Finland between the White Guard and the Red Guard. And the Red Guard were what? Communists from the revolution. Bolshevik socialism. Socialists. 
And the white guard overcame the red guard, and hence Finland is this free and sovereign state that it is today. But today, Putin has said, Putin has said, if Finland joins NATO, listen, if Finland joins NATO, he will come right up and in against Finland and there will be war and hell to pay. That's what he said. This is true. I love this book. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, tis heaven. Tis heaven to know my sins. On land or sea, what matters where, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. So, are you saved? The day you are living in, are you ready? 